0: I do indeed want to say a good evening to each and every one of you fine people this evening. What a honor and what a privilege it is actually and I think it would be very sure to me not to express that to you at this time. That is in order to receive the invitation in order to preach the gospel for you. It's an honor to me, it's my passion. Uh, to preach the the word, the gospel. I believe that any loyal and faithful preacher that will preach God's word will have that attitude. So I'm thankful uh, most of all to these two elders right here, Uh, two men that I know that are wise, they're knowledgeable, and indeed they are uh, strong men, men which you and I we are to be certainly thankful for, and I know that you are. But give them a hug on the neck, shake their hands, And never cease to pray for these two men I beg uh, for you For indeed they're worthy Men that overlook our souls Actually Hebrews 13 verse 17 They watch for our souls So who better uh, are we to pray for Who better ones than for you and I To pray for and try to support Who else would ones Were to hug their necks And shake their hands And tell them what good job they're doing For indeed they, they are And I'm thankful for you brethren here what short time my family and I, we've been coming here and and hearing these great and these tremendous sermons from Randy Bobby. You know, uh, I've preached in Jackson County uh, for several years and Randy has preached some down there too, but I've never heard Randy preach but one time. I always heard good about Randy, how much knowledge knowledge that he had and had he maintained through his uh, time of preaching. When I came right here, I understood quite quickly just how uh, sharp that fellow is. You're fortunate to have Randy, and, uh, and I'm thankful for these elders to have uh, gotten Randy to preach uh, the gospel for you. What a uh, scholar man he is. He may not tell you, but he's a scholar. He, he is indeed a scholar of this book. Now, to say that, to say this, I've also listened to other fellows preach the gospel here And I'll tell you what, folks, I'm nothing but amazed. As from a uh, Gary Medley to a Johnson Medley, his son, and to Trail White and to as well as um, uh, 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 these uh, Swallows um, uh, fellow, I can't think of your first name, uh, but um, I'll tell you what, Uh, it's it's been amazing uh, to hear these men preach the word. And as Brother Mayberry said this morning, you know, as talking about the fiscal, you know, uh, and to the spiritual. Well, Paul used that uh, uh, expression many times of relating the spiritual and the physical. And as he said, uh, you know, one many of you could be a starter on any team. We all knew what he meant by that, didn't we, folks? Listen, there's men here right now could be preaching the gospel for any congregation, uh, and you know that you could, and uh, song leading. How many song leaders do you have here at Pippin? It just all amazes me. I'm still trying to wake up, Brother Hensley, of how blessed and fortunate you are here at Pippin. You know, song leaders, uh, you, you do a tremendous job. And I'll tell you one thing, too, on the second Wednesday uh, or the second month of every Wednesday when you have the singing here, mostly every man will get up and lead a song here. I have not seen that. I have not seen such talent and such ability and most of all, such enthusiasm as I have in other congregations. You're special here at Pippin. You really are. And I'm still trying to wake up and, tr- and try and tell myself, is it real? You know, is, it, it, is, is this good? Is this too good to be true? But I believe it is, and I'm thankful for you. And I forgot about this fellow right here, you know, uh, that's sitting right up here that taught the, the, that taught the Bible class for us, uh, you know, a couple of times. I think it was since I've been here and a tremendous song leader, and uh, I'll tell you what, it's just uh, just amazing, uh, the, as I said, the ability that you have here. The meeting you had, I'm still not over that, what a trem- tremendous meeting that it was. Most of you, you, you well supported that meeting, uh, and uh, I'll tell you what, it was, just, uh, it was a big help to me, and I know as well as it was to you what a dynamic preacher that uh, tom holland is i've never heard him preach before i'm like randy i have his material i have his writings uh, and his books but i've never heard him preach that's the kind of preaching i like to hear bible plain preaching and you heard it and just as you hear it uh, from these men as well as you hear it from randy uh, and i was telling them uh, Brother Bowes, just a while ago, you know, was talking about, I told him what good a job he did in the Bible study. And he does. A, a tremendous Bible school teacher. Again, you know, I can just go on and on. And, and if, I, if I don't think of your name, then don't don't hold it against me. You know, it's just my absentee-mindedness, you know. But uh, but as I think about it, you know, on and on and on. You know, you have Bible teachers. You have song leaders, class teachers, you know. But I was talking to Brother Bowes this morning, you know, or just a while ago, and talking to him about the, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, that the Bible... Uh, you know the teaching the you know the Bible study, you know and everything and uh, and many things about that, and how good of a job that he did and and uh, and how we're to relate to those things. Well, I've entitled the lesson, uh, you know, and I guess I'm still trying to entitle it uh, you know as i I guess any preacher I guess that will uh, try to come up with a lesson, he'll always try to you know bring on more points and uh, you know, and so uh, I did number these points, but I've just decided you know just Scrap that, and just preach uh, as it comes to me, and uh, these things that I want to share with you. But the main ideal is, um, as we are to consider those facts, the biblical facts, you see, as we are to think about those things, it would be wise for you and I to always to do that. Now, I'm not talking about philosophy. We have too much philosophy in this world, don't we? We have too much of man's say and unscriptural sayings, but what we want to think about is what the Bible says, and that only. Uh, Biblical facts that you and I must consider. Uh, Number one, the creation of, uh, of God. Now, we know in Genesis 1 and verse 31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, everything was good. And the evening and the morning uh, was the sixth day. Now, it hardly sounds like the gigantic boom, does it? An explosion or the big bang theory that so oftentimes you and I have heard, yes, through the word, the term philosophies, philosophers. And those of the the realm of philosophy, as they would like to quote and like to reason, especially in the evolutionist field, you know what I'm talking about. You've heard these things. Uh, turn on the History Channel, and you're just about as close as you can get right there. And just basically other things and where man has written, and he has an ideal. He has an ideal that this world, this earth, as we out, we now see, had just started with a bang, a boom. And here it is. Well, uh, the Bible, again, here is a biblical... Fact that turns that just all to pieces, folks. And we know that it does. And the Bible will not only take this, but it will go continuously nonstop. And it will tear down. It will diminish all the things uh, that are false and those things that are wrong. So we know that God created the the earth. He, he, He created, he worked for six days. And then the Bible says he rested on the seventh. Now that comes from the Bible. I have brought no other material up here with me but only the Bible. And that's all that you and I should be interested in, and I know that you are. Now, uh, these seasons will always be the same, folks, until the end of the world will come. Now, you say, now, Larry, where did you get that? I got it from the Bible. Now, if you've heard growing up, I know that I have growing up. Brother Hensley, I know, probably, perhaps have, and... Uh, But I've heard it that, you know, before the end of the world, before the end of time will come, the seasons will start to change, and you will not know summer uh, from winter. Have you heard that? I have. Until I read Genesis 8 and verse 22, I was actually deceived by that. I actually probably thought, you know, that was the truth. But folks, we're talking about a biblical fact here. As the Bible says, for as as the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Wow. So that tells me, uh, by this biblical fact, as I'm to consider this biblical fact, that the earth will always to have its seasons. It will always be normal. And we learn that you say from uh, Matthew 24, on in, of course, as well as Matthew 25, that the Bible uh, gives the thing, of course, uh, of the thought of that, just as in the days of Noah were, so shall also be the coming of the Son of Man. So we have every uh, we have every uh, glimpse and every way to tell you and I that there is not going to be any sudden uh, warning when the Lord is going to return. Now, uh, Brother Holland has talked about that. Randy Bybee has talked about that for surely here of late. And, folks, that's biblical. There's not going to be any warning. There. You're not going to be able to see the signs of the seasons to change or, think, or any other signs as far as that to tell you and I that the end of the world is near. There, there will not be any. There will not be any at all. God is in control. Now, someone says, you know, when I thought Obama, President Barack Obama was in control, He's in a limited control, as you and I are in a limited control. But, folks, once the dust settles and the, blank, and the plain fact is to be known, God is in control. He's in control of this universe. Now, you say, now, Larry, how do you know that? I know that from Daniel 4, and verse 25, where the Bible says uh, that uh, he is to uh, rule and the king of the men. He sets up to whomsoever he will and he can take him down or he can put him in, uh, he's in control. And we must consider this great and this tremendous biblical fact. Now, let's move on hurriedly to some other ideas, mainly in the New Testament area. Who is a Christian? The Bible says everyone that is born again. Now, you know, someone says, well, you know, how are you to be born again? Well, Jesus explained that Nicodemus, didn't he? Remember John chapter 3 and then verse 5. And in verse 5, he says, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, you know, sometimes even that very simple and that simplicity of Scripture, man would get that confused. First of all, he'll say, well, uh, it's man's spirit. Well, no, it's a capital S. It would mean the Holy Spirit. Man is born of the water and of the spirit, which is the spirit that has written, guided the the, the apostolic men, the writers, to write this book. So it's sort of like humanistic. uh, It's sort of like a human, two humans coming together, a man and a woman. Now, we understand the nature of that, don't we? When then there are children to be born. Well, you see, put this in the spiritual sense. When you and I come together with this spirit word, then we're, go- we're going to be born. Here's the seed. The word of God is the seed, and it will germinate, and it will make you and I different. Then that's how we're born again. But Jesus says this, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In other words, he cannot go. He cannot enter into the kingdom as, considering, as you and I consider, as the, the family, the church, the the, uh, the requirement, and ultimately heaven itself. He's missed it all. There's no way he can go to heaven if he is not first in the church. Someone says, give me the church, and I don't need Jesus. Give me Jesus, and I don't need the church. Folks, you can't separate the two. You cannot separate Jesus and the church. For Jesus died for the church. He gave himself for the church. That's Acts uh, 20, uh, 28. Uh, and so uh, obviously uh, Jesus died uh, for the church in which you and I are to be born again. Well, someone says, well, now how, uh, how are you to be born again? Well, first of all, uh, again, a biblical fact uh, would be all that you and I are to be interested in. And that is to hear the word and obviously to believe. As Mark sixteen fifteen through 16 says, Go ye in all the world, Jesus said, Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now Romans 10 verse 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So obviously we're going to have to hear. We're going, And which that hearing, we're going to believe, and we're going to have this faith, that faith is going to lead us obviously to do uh, some other things of the requirements or of the commands that Jesus commands us to uh, do in order to be born again as we're to confess uh, that Jesus is the uh, Son of God. Now, as uh, Matthew 10, 32, and 33, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Uh, And so, obviously, we're to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We're to repent. Acts 2, verse 38, uh, of course, as Peter said in Acts 2 and Acts verse 38, as, the, as he was asked, and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? He says, to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. One is not born again, yeah. Because there's still another requirement. One is to be baptized. And uh, which, as he says, Acts 2 and 38, to repent and be baptized. And would be the conjunction. You're to repent, but you're to do something else. As 1 Peter 3, verse 21, baptism does also now save us. Galatians 3, verse 27, for many of you has been baptized into Christ. How put on Christ. And, uh, and, you know, and the Bible teaches uh, that we're to be baptized uh, in order to be uh, contacting that that watery grave, that blood actually, the symbolic as the water, as that grave would be a symbolic sense that teaches you and I would come and act in contact with that blood, that will wash your and my sins away. I believe that, don't you? Sure, you do. But we're not finished yet. Actually, you know there is the thing that will always uh, that we must always to be considered, and that is to be faithful. Revelation two and verse ten. You know, I've always believed that that's when Christian living actually starts. That's when my march as a soldier of Christ will actually begin after I'm baptized. That's when it all begins. So that means I'm to grow, I'm to mature, as we'll talk about here in a few minutes. And I'm to be everything that I am to be, as I'm to be a growing child of God, to be faithful. Revelation 2 verse 10, remain thou faithful unto death, and thou wilt receive a crown of life. <laughs> Now that's a biblical fact of how to be born again. I want to talk to you also about another biblical fact, and that is how how this thing made possible anyway. You say, Larry, you know that all sounds well, you know I understand what you're saying, but can't I be out in a field somewhere? can I be driving my car down the road? You know, I've, all, I've heard people talk like this, you know. I'd uh, be a plowing in a field. I'd be mowing the yard. You know, and it just hits me, you know, to say, when I, you know, look, I'm a child of God. I've been called. Now, let's put, a bib- let's put some biblical facts on this, though, just as we'll treat everything else. No, that's false doctrine, folks. You say, now, Larry, how do you know it's false? I know it's false because, one I'm fixing to quote you. As I know what James 1 verse 18 says, as he says, of his own will begot he us with the word of truth. Now we're starting to uh, get to the truth, aren't we? You see how false doctrine will slowly slide out of the way once the truth will present itself. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 15, I have begotten you through the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 14, whereunto he called you by our gospel. James 1 verse 21 uh, where it says receive the bottom end of that verse where it says receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. So we're all called alike aren't we? You know how you've been called. You know how you've uh, heard uh, in order as we said there a while ago in order how to be born again and to become a Christian and how to grow and how to mature and be faithful. You've heard it by the gospel. Maybe it's been some preacher. Maybe you've studied it your own. Someone told you, a friend, a relative. But there's one thing for sure. You know everything that you know through this written word. You didn't see it. You didn't receive it in any dream. You did not receive it out in the the yard somewhere or driving down the road in your car or at work. Folks, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of philosophy and there's a lot of false doctrine that is uh, against this book. And we need not to be uh, caught uh, by it. You know, I know what Paul says in Ephesians 4, and verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine by the sight of mankind cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So we need to be on guard of these things and to know... Uh, of what a false doctrine is And what a biblical fact is There's one church Brethren There's one church And the Bible has Biblical information about this one church Now sometimes, oftentimes, You and I, we may get ridiculed By telling people that we love And we appreciate there's one church There is Matthew 16 verse 18 Jesus says there is Jesus is the one that built the church. He says, Upon this rock I will build my church. Now he says in Ephesians 1 and 23, and it, put him, and it put him to be all, all things over to the uh, and it gave him, to be, uh, gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body. You see? And so the church which is his body. Uh, uh, you know, that fully, that fully off fall in all. So we know then that Jesus died for the church. He died for the body. Ephesians 1 22 and 23 uh, puts the church and the body as the same. And it put him over all things to the church, you see, uh, you know, and gave, and, uh, which is his body. And uh, Ephesians 4 and verse 4 says, Now how many bodies are there? How many churches are there? There's one body. Ephesians 4 and verse 4. And so uh, Ephesians 4 and verse 5 says there's one faith. Jude 3 says, contend earnestly for the faith. And so you have one gospel and you have one church. And Jesus is, uh, is the giver of both. As he gave the gospel, as he died for the church, uh, then there is one. Uh, there's many that will say, well, you know, uh, any church is all right. You know, as long as it feels right, as long as it looks good. As long as everything seems all right, you know, it feels right. Well, try, try to explain that to old name in 2 Kings chapter 5. He thought those uh, other rivers looked good, didn't he? He says, what about them? Uh, about them, Parfar?" But you see, he was specifically to be commanded uh, to go and dip uh, seven times into the Jordan River and his leprosy would be cleansed. That's what he had to do. Now, could he, he have reason to the point, said, well, yeah, you know, uh, one river is just as good as another. Just like folks today will say one church is as good as another. No, no, they're not, folks. If it's not blood-bought, uh, you know, as Acts twenty twenty eight, 28, to Jesus purposed the church with his own blood, you see, and gave him to be the head of all things to the church, you see, which is his body, he died for the church. Colossians 1 verse 18 says he's the head of the church. He's the head of the body. And so you cannot separate the body from the church. There's one church. 12, uh, Romans 12 verse 4. There's many members, but there's one, uh, one body, you see. And so this is a bi- these are biblical facts, folks, of considering the church. Brother Wendell gave a good lesson uh, here a few weeks ago considering the, the church and the uh, way of it. What about prayer? Some will say, "We well, you know, why I pray? Yeah, that, that's the truth. That's the truth. Some will, you know, there's this doctrine of deism, the doctrine of deism that says, you know, God has wound up everything just like a clock. If you wound up a clock before, you know, you know what I'm saying? You wind that thing up and just let it go and just let it just take its course. There are those that actually will believe that this earth and this order of things is just kind of like a clock. So why pray to God, you know? And after all, you know, God is not actually in control of nothing. They actually believe that as well. It all works hand in hand. You try to tell a Christian mother or a lady that prayer is not real or prayer does not change things when her baby is in the hospital. Sick and when the doctor has said, you know, we don't know if he'll pull through or not. Or someone or a son or a daughter has been injured uh, in a tragic accident out on the road, an automobile accident. And the mother and the father are both holding hands and they're praying to Almighty God to help the child to survive. And you try to tell them that prayer is not real. Second Kings chapter 20, remember when the king Hezekiah, he prayed. When he got the sad news from the prophet Isaiah that he was soon to die, said to set thy house in order, for you're going to die. What did he do? He prayed to God and he reminded God of how faithful he was and how he walked in the truth and how uh, good of a man that he actually was. He, was. he was in tears. He was hurting. He did not want to die. God heard his prayer. And folks, you don't think that God well I know you don't think. I know that you believe God that the prayer changed things, but there are some that don't, many, too many that don't. But you asked old Hezekiah if prayer doesn't change things. God added fifteen years upon his life. Fifteen years. What if he hadn't prayed? Just as, just about, as, just about as, uh, enough reasoning to say what if Naaman hadn't dipped down in the Jordan. More than likely, he would have died with leprosy. Yeah, prayer is real, it's real folks. It changes things. Colossians 4, verse 2, it says, To continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving. Romans 12, and verse 12 says, Continue instant in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17 says, Pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The Bible's filled with it that you and I are to pray. James 5, verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Isn't that beautiful? Availeth much. Of course, it says from a righteous man, for we know that 1 Peter 3, verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Yes, the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the Lord is far from the wicked, you see. Proverbs 15, verse 29. See, the Lord's eyes are over the righteous, but his face is against the wicked. So we know that the righteous, they have one of the greatest avenues you could ever imagine. We, I don't know if we can imagine enough of the precious promises, the spiritual blessings that you and I have in Christ, where it stems from Ephesians 1 verse 3. That is just one of them, to be able to pray. But there are so many that says, you know, prayer, why pray? It's not going, you know, there's no, you know, nothing is, will change. God's not in control. Well, that's a lie, folks. Now, we're talking about a biblical fact here, and we need to consider these biblical facts highly. Prayer will change many things. Death is certain. Death is certain. Psalms 89, 48. What man is he that liveth and shall not see death? Where is he at? What man is he that liveth and shall not die, the the psalmist says. The living know that they shall die. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 5. That's why he said in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10: Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for, it, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom, and the grave whether thou goest. Hebrews 9, verse 27 says, For as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this to judgment. Yes, we're going to die. You remember. I've been of course the things concerning the Titanic I've been doing some studying on that we have some books at the house and and just studying just a few weeks ago where it says 651 people were saved out of 2,207 passengers on that night the Titanic went down you think when they got on that boat that they they thought that they were going to die. Do you? Even someone had said, even on the ship, said God himself couldn't sink the ship. What about 9-11? Now, most of you, you and I, we remember what happened on that day, don't we? When those folks walked into those office buildings, those towers, and on those planes, do you think that they thought by any chance that they were going to die? No. What about you this morning when you woke up? Could you have thought, well, the day I may die? You know, I heard a preacher say one time, you know, we're just that much, we're that close to eternity as, as that yellow line separates us from that road. You think about that, about that for a minute. You may be doing the best you can do. You may be going the, 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 uh, the right uh, speed limit. You may be doing everything that's right within your power and your control. You let someone just cross that yellow line. hit your head on. It can happen. Tom Holland, I appreciate him, the beating. He quoted uh, Proverbs 27, verse 1. Boast not thyself of the morrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know, James 4 and verse 4 says to the, uh, or 14 says to the point, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanishes away. Psalms 103 and 15 through 16, As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower, so he flourishes, and the wind passes over it and is gone, and the place shall know it no more. Psalms 102 and verse 11, My days were like a shadow that declineth and I'm withered like grass the Bible goes on and on and on and explains to you and I just how short life is life is short we're going to die that's a biblical fact I'll tell you another biblical fact is that um, not all will be saved not all will go to heaven you said, now, Larry, how in the world can you get that? Jesus said it himself. You know, Matthew 7, verse 21, he says, Not everyone that said unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter, in, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. For many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then I will pr- profess unto them Depart from me I know you not Depart from me you workers of iniquity That's what he will profess I know you not depart from me Go the other way I know you not There's going to be many Lost As Matthew 7 And verse 14 Of uh, course says as well that there's going to be many that will go to the broad road the the narrow way there's going to be few to the narrow gate there's going to be few that will enter in Jesus said that himself judgment is sure judgment is sure now folks that's a biblical fact that's a biblical fact that the Bible teaches you and I judgment's coming well, we've already looked at in Hebrews, Hebrews 9, verse 27. But Ecclesiastes 12, 13, verse 14, the Bible says, Now let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work in the judgment, with every, every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Second Corinthians 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body, whether it be good or bad. So I'm going to answer to God for and only for myself. Things done in this body, I'm going to answer to God. Not now, but on the day of judgment. It will be a day of sentencing. Yes, the judgment is sure. You and I will face the judgment. Someone might say, "Well, you know, I'm not. I have not obeyed the gospel, and I have not uh, surrendered my life to Jesus. But you know, I'll have enough. Uh, my brother, or my mother, or my sister, or my son, my aunt, and uncle. You know, they'll have enough religion for me. Not on this day. Not on this day, they will not." Folks, it's the gospel that will separate man from heaven. And we, all, we started all the way back in John 3, and verse 5, talking about this very serious truth of, the, of this fact. Jesus is the answer. 2 Thessalonians 2, and verse 10, with all the seemliness of unrighteousness. And them that perish because they received not the love of the truth. Folks, that's a biblical fact. Leave Jesus out of your life and you are down to be lost. I didn't write that. Randy Bobby didn't write that. These two good elders didn't write that. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9. Paul says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his uh, mighty angels, and flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the glory of his power. You see, Jesus will make the difference. Now there are those out there that say you can live outside the church. You can live outside of Jesus. You don't have to be baptized. You don't have to do this or do that. But these biblical facts we're going to have to deal with. As Jesus said in John 12 verse 48, He that rejecteth me and saveth not my words, hath one that judges him the words I've spoken the same. The same shall judge him in the last day. Wow. So I best be paying attention to this book, don't you think? You know, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, righteousness, in that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good work. Second uh, Peter 1, 3 and verse 4, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us precious promises. By these things ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I have everything I need right here to get me to heaven. I have everything I need right here to to teach me about Jesus. Teach me where I can fall and where I can be strong and and what I need to do at all times. I brought with me a little sack right here with something in it. And most of you, you know what this is. This this can be your best buddy out on the road, can it? This can be your best friend if you're going somewheres where you have not ever been. It is to me. If I'm going to somewheres I have not been, I don't want to be stopping asking questions. Well, where is this road? Where is this route? Where is this address? Especially people you don't know. It's dangerous, especially this time of day, isn't it? But you punch this thing, and you, you know, you, many of you have one of these. I know you do. You know about them. GPS. You punch that address in on this thing and, uh, and you get that thing going, it'll say go, and you just listen. Well, that voice, you go wrong, it'll put you back to where you are. I don't care. You know, you can do all you want to to try to go against this thing, but it'll work with you as, as long as you've got this thing on. It'll be, keep, aim, keep putting you back on the right way. Folks, the Bible will do the same thing. It's doing the same thing. You go off, it'll put you back on. You go this way. It'll put you back to where you ought to be. That's what the Bible would do. Oh, my. If you're not a Christian tonight, right now would be the time to become one. As we know, the plan of salvation is to do what mainly the Bible says. That is the biblical fact of things. I have not brought nothing with me to the point to, to change anything, for I know better. You and I will heed to the same thing as they did 2,000 years ago in the first century. Nothing has changed. This book hasn't changed. Man has tried to change it, but this gospel has not changed. You apply to do, to do the same things that the early Christians did in the first century. If you have done that, which I know many of you have, but it could be the point that you need to make things right, Uh, You've sinned You have done those things that are not right You've become unfaithful Then now will be the time to make those things right We'll pray for you We'll talk with you These good elders will assist you And we'll do whatever it will take to make it right Folks, remember Heaven is the most important thing uh, That we have You and I miss heaven We've missed it all We have too much here To miss heaven we have been given the instructions as the uh, uh, one read there just a few minutes ago in the scripture reading. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Proverbs 8, verse 33. We'll be doing wise if we'll heed instruction to this book always. Can we help you? Won't you come? or together we stand as we sing.